Uh, today we begin a, a series of sermons, yes, in our stewardship theme of where our treasure is, our hearts are also, but uh, we are going to talk about that in the context of learning of the heart of Jesus, learning about the heart uh, of Jesus, because you see, y'all, as we talk about the heart of Jesus and in the, in the, our own hearts, we're going to realize how closely our pocketbooks, our wallets, and our checkbooks are tied to our hearts. So as we learn about the heart of Jesus, we will learn indeed how closely aligned we are to the heart of Jesus by examining those things and how we use the gifts that God has given to us. But today we're going to read a great passage of scripture. So before we do, let us pray. Lord, we open our hearts and minds by the power and inspiration of the Holy Spirit that as the scriptures read and proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you would say to us this day. Amen. Hear now the word of the Lord as found in the good news according to Matthew, the 11th chapter starting with verse 28. Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Boy, that's a great scripture text, isn't it? I mean, that is a wonderful word to hear that Jesus is saying, come to me, all who are burdened, all who are heavy laden, come take my yoke upon yourself and you'll find rest. I mean, that is better than getting that wonderful peach cobbler that you get on Thursday night dinners. I mean, Liz, that was almost as good as my mama's, almost. I mean... That was terrific what Thursday night. I hope you all will come. And thank you for your support in making that happen. But did you hear how wonderful this invitation is? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I've spoken about that so many times because it is such a powerful verse and a powerful invitation. But in studying this again, I saw something as we talked about it as a pastoral staff that Jesus talks about his heart right here. In fact, it is the only time in the New Testament that Jesus gives a description of his heart. You ever thought about that? Throughout the Gospels, this is the only time that Jesus says, this is what my heart is. My heart is humble. My heart is gentle. Humble and gentle. That's that's what Jesus uses to describe the core of who he is. For remember, friends, the, the heart is the center of who we are. Jeff talked about that a few weeks ago when we talked about God writing a, a new law on our hearts. He's writing on the center of our being. And so, therefore, Jesus is describing the center of who he is as humble and gentle. And he could have said a whole lot of other things, joyous and loving and generous. Yeah, he could have said all of those things. But when he said, at the core of who I am, at my heart, I'm gentle and humble. 
You know, in our way of understanding heart, friends, don't we usually think of emotions, right? Yeah, we think that when we say, uh, when we uh, talk about our hearts, we're talking about that warm, fuzzy stuff, right? But emotions wax and wane. But in the biblical understanding of our hearts, it is the thing that is at the center of who we are. It's the thing that gets us up in the morning. It's the thing that motivates us. So the thing that is at the center of who Jesus is, is humility, and gentleness. By the way, the biblical understanding of emotion, when they talk about where their emotions come from, in the ancient world, it was from the bowels. It was. Can you imagine going up and say, honey, I love you with all my bowels? I mean, it, ju- it just doesn't catch, does it? You know, th- this isn't the great hit that was, that, uh, it that was at one time. You know, I left my bowels in San Francisco. I mean, you, you just, that just doesn't work, does it? No. Aren't we glad that we think of the emotions as heart in our day and time? But you get what I'm saying, though? When Jesus says, my heart is gentle, My heart is humble. He's saying that's the center of who I am. And since Jesus is the incarnate God Almighty, at the center of who God is, the center of the one who created the universe, there's gentleness and humility. That means Jesus is saying to us that this God who created everything, at the center of his being, there's this gentleness there. There's this humility that is there. There is, therefore, this accessibility in the heart of God. We have this God who is able to welcome us. So many, though, think of God like Dorothy and the Scarecrow and the Tin Man and the the Cowardly Lion thought about the Wizard of Oz. You all probably have seen the movie. You remember how they approached the Oz, the great and powerful, and they they tremble before him. And so many people think that's the way we approach God. But Jesus reveals to us something different, a heart that is gentle and humble at its very core. And we see this throughout the stories of Jesus in in the Gospels. We, We see these beautiful healing stories there was a, a man who was so concerned about his sick daughter. And, and he says, my, my daughter is sick. This man named Jairus, he goes to him and says, please come heal my daughter. And, and Jesus says, naturally, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come. And even though she was dead, he raised her up. And there's Bartimaeus there by the roadside. Everyone's telling him to hush. He ain't going to listen to you. And he's saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus cuts through the crowd and goes right to this blind man and restores his sight. And one of the most beautiful healing stories in the Gospels, there is this leper. Now, you got to remember what lepers were back then. Lepers were ostracized from society. Lepers couldn't be near anybody. If someone was even within a sight of a leper, the leper had to yell out, Tommy, Tommy, unclean, unclean, don't get near me. Yet Jesus had such accessibility People could come to him because he had this humble and gentle heart that this leper, breaking all the rules of the day, came and and knelt before him and said, Master, if you're willing, make me clean. And Jesus, you you can see the compassion in his eyes, can't you? He said, I'm willing, be clean. Oh, my, how beautiful, this accessible, humble, gentle heart that Jesus has. 
disciples trying to shoo off the children. Y'all remember the story? You know, and sometimes children were thought of as nothing but intrusions in, the, in people's lives back then. And Jesus said, no. And he grabbed up a little one and held her tight in his arms and said, let the little children come to me, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. You see, my friends, isn't it wonderful to know that this Jesus who has a tender and compassionate heart, this, this heart that is gentle and humble, is open to us all. That's why Charles Spurgeon says, no matter what your sin is, no matter what your ingratitude is, no matter how you've scorned him, no matter how you've profaned him, he says his pardon is there for you. It is there. Echoed in the Psalm where it says he is slow to anger, abounding as we talked about not too long after I got here, and steadfast love. Apostle Paul puts it this way. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's why no matter who you are, what you're dealing with, where you come from, what you've done, no matter where you are right now in your life, Jesus says, come unto me. Come unto me, all y'all, come. And it's interesting, right before he says those things, he, he is there lambasting the Pharisees and, and talking about those cities that have rejected him. And it's almost as Jesus has a change of mind. He said, even you who think you have it all together, but you really don't, come, come unto me all who are labored and heavy laden come and you'll find rest for your souls and that a glorious invitation isn't that something that's so wonderful for us to experience you know God it says opposes the proud and the haughty but even those are welcome he says come unto me everyone and you'll find rest for your souls as he says as you learn of me as you learn of me now when we think of learning what what do we what do we think about books right I mean we're going to get a bunch of books and you know you students that, that are out there right now you're going to you have books you have to read you have to study you have to memorize things and there there are lots of books on humility I looked this up. There's a, a book out there called Humility to the New Smart, you know? There, there's a book out there that power, position, and humility, the words that change the world. The Pope even has a book on leading with humility. I mean, we can read all these books about humility, but we may never become humble because what Jesus is talking about is not something learned in your head, but walked in with your daily life. In fact, the word learn of me in the Greek means apprentice with me. Apprentice with me. For humility is caught, not taught. It's walked, not learned. Apprentice with me sounds a lot like 
a word that y'all like to use around here and I hopefully are living out that word's discipleship. Learning of me. Learning of who I am about. And it's in that learning, it's in that walking the way of Jesus that we experience rest for our souls because he uses this interesting metaphor. Place my yoke upon yourself and you'll find rest. Now, yoke's not a word that we use every day in the way that Jesus is using it. In fact, it, it might take a little bit of explaining because when I was using, preaching this sermon in a different context and, and in, a, in a different place, I had a little boy come up to me and said, Preacher, I don't want you to crack in those Jesus eggs all over me. <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? He said, taking Jesus' yoke upon myself. You know, yeah, those egg yolks, I don't know about having those Jesus eggs cracked on me right now. And I said, oh boy, I've got some explaining to do. So for those of you that are thinking about egg yolks and not this yoke that Jesus is talking about, a yolk is a wooden bar that is specifically crafted for the oxen which will pull a wagon or a cart. In fact, there's a beautiful legend out there about Jesus in the quiet times before we read about him starting his ministry in the Gospels, that in that carpentry shop there in Nazareth, that Jesus was known as the master yoke maker. And that people from all around the region would come and they would bring their ox team and he would get that block of wood and he would measure closely uh, those oxen. And, and there he would take every, every care to make sure that the oak was, was carved just right and that this yoke would, would fit those oxen just perfectly. And, and they would bring those uh, oxen back after several weeks and they would f- fit that, uh, that yoke on them and it fit perfectly without any rough spots on it. And William Barclay puts it this way. He said, in the shop that hung out on the signs, as it does in lots of places during the years, we have a sign describing the shop, the shop out in front of Jesus' carpentry place, or the sign out in front of Jesus' carpentry shop said this, my yoke fits perfectly. See, the better way to translate my yoke is easy and my burden is light, this is my yoke fits easily on you. My, fo- my yoke fits easily on you. It's what you're meant to wear. And it's interesting that this yoke is not just a single yoke for a single oxen. It's a dual yoke because guess who's carrying the other part of it? Jesus. Martin Luther kind of made fun of this. He said, only Jesus would tell us to give up our burdens and then take a yoke upon us in the next sentence. But what Jesus is wisely reminding us of is that we're going to be burdened by something. We're going to be slaves to something in this life. Even the good things in life can be a burden. I mean, we might have the perfect job, but we realize that we love it so much that we're working long hours and we're toiling away at it a long time and we may be neglecting other things. We love our families, but sometimes family can be a burden, right? We, we stay up late at night. We have messes to clean up. There's temp, temper tantrums. And as kids get older, there's lots of worries that they can cause in our own hearts, right? There's burdens there. Even the joy of taking a vacation, right? Can add to stress, you know, locked in a hotel room together when it's raining or go out to the beach and all get sunburned and there's a stress of finances that sometimes happen. Then you go come back from your vacation and you got a lot more work to do. I mean, there are burdens there. 
And there's plenty of you within the sound of my voice or listening online uh, who are in the high country. You've, you've got it. You've made it here. You, you've retired to the place of your dreams. And then you have this burden of, is this all that there is? Because you see what a heavy burden we bear when all we are living for is ourselves and our pleasures. And what fun thing can I do next? See, the burden that, the load that Jesus puts on us is this burden of gentleness and humility. As it says in that great old hymn, make me a captive, Lord, so I can be free. For Jesus wisely knows that we're gonna be a slave to something. The only gentle master is not ourselves, not our families, not our employment, definitely not our, our stock portfolios, portfolios. It's Jesus. The way that you can look at this is like in a marriage. We willingly yoke ourselves to somebody else. We say I do to somebody else. We say yes to somebody else. And in the biblical example that Jesus gives us or the scriptures give us of comparing the, the church to the bride of Christ, it's a wonderful example of how we're yoked together and we don't have to worry about trying to impress one another. You know, remember those days when you're dating and you're, you know, you had to worry about everything? Was my fly zipped up? Did I have my breast smell good? I mean, all those things that we had to do, my hair parted right. Yeah, we want to do those for our spouses, but it's not out of an impression, impress somebody. It's out of this mutuality of love. Mutuality of love. It's a freeing captivity of love. That's what it's like. We have this freedom of being yoked together with somebody that we love and want to spend our life with. That's what Jesus is saying. Yoke yourself to me and no true freedom, no true life. And as we do these things, well, we become like him. We become more humble in heart. We become more gentle in spirit. We become more accessible to the needs of the world around us. And people can look to us and come to us and receive something from us because we inherit that kind and humble heart of Jesus. There's a story out there, not exactly sure if it's true, but it's in the days when Thomas Jefferson was president and back then, you know, mostly they got around and, and, and horses, you know, they rode on horseback. And uh, Thomas Jefferson and a bunch of his companions, some of the cabinet, were riding uh, through a part of Virginia, and there's a flooded river there, and it's hard to cross. And there was a man standing on the side of, of the river wanting to get across, and, and they were going to ford this river using the horses. The water is pretty deep. And the man went up to Jefferson, the president of the United States, not knowing who he was, and he said, Will you give me a ride across the river? Thomas Jefferson said, yeah, sure. So the man hops on the back of his horse and they swim across the river and they get over on the other side a little bit wet and the man dismounts. And one of Jefferson's companions comes up to him and says, do you know you just asked the president of the United States for a ride on the back of his horse? And the guy said, oh my gosh, no, I didn't know, I didn't know that was a president. And the fellow says, why in the world did you ask him? 
And here's the telling line. He said, because he had yes written all over his face. My friends, are we in line with Jesus enough? Is our our hearts like Jesus enough that we have yes written all over our face and all over our hearts? Are we accessible and available to the brokenness and the hurts of this world? Are we open to hear the cries of the needy and able to do something about that? And in regards to stewardship, are we accessible and available with the gifts that God has given us to the needs of the world and to the work of Jesus Christ in and through the church? Are we? Are we yoked enough to Jesus that he has opened up our hearts enough through his kindness and through his gentleness being poured into us that who we are reflected in what we do and how we give is available to the world in and through the church and in and through great organizations like Samaritan's Purse and Habitat for Humanity and others to meet the, wor- the needs of the world. When I was serving in a town called Tallahassee, Alabama. Anyone ever heard of Tallahassee? Anybody? The, my wife, yes. She spent seven years in a parsonage right next to the church from us to the window away from that. So she knows the, she knows the place very well. And in, in Tallahassee, when we got there, we, the church needed a lot of work as far as the building goes. I, I remember there's a hole in the wall over near where a fellow named Jack Luke, who looked like Mark Twain, used to, to sit. Uh, the wiring was, was from the original building built in the 1920s. In fact, the electrician came in and said, you, you all got a fire coming at any time. The basement would flood in a heavy rain. I remember we had a revival uh, and we were having dinner before the rival, revival and the revival speaker had to hold his feet up as they got a water uh, swept up <laughs> under his feet. They had a drive act there running around while, while that was going on. And, and, and after school ministry had started that the church was sponsoring and they met in that basement. Every now and then there would be the water coming in and they'd have to move all their stuff out. I mean, the church needed a lot of repairs. And so a building committee was formed and a finance group was formed and, and they got together all this great stuff together to present to the church as we're supposed to do at charge conference. But there's a little buzz around as it happens sometimes in churches, I, I hear tell. Um, that, yeah, but you know, we already got some debt. You know, the, the church had, had bought some property around them to, for future expansion. And, and they had a, had a mortgage on that. And they, they didn't know about going into even more debt until that is, has paid off. And I get that. You know, we, we don't want to encumber the church with too much indebtedness. But they decided to move ahead of the charge conference, even though with all that talk going on about the indebtedness. And who knows what was going to happen at, at the meeting. And, and there was... Two fears there, fear that we don't do anything and we're going to have to even spend more money on repairs or fear of going into more debt. And it's funny, as we began to make the presentation, as people began to talk and, you know, some people were discussing, yeah, but, you know, we we got this indebtedness over us, that a woman in the back of the room named Miss Audrey got up. And she said, you know, I'm I'm retired recently, not too long ago, and I've I've done done." saved up some money for my retirement, but I've done some figuring, and I've heard the needs of this church and the needs for the ministries for our children and the need to move forward, 
and I am going to use some of my retirement funds to pay off all the church's debt. Yeah. She used her own money to pay off well over $100,000, which didn't sound like a lot for a church like this, but was for Tallahassee, Alabama, to pay off the debt. And something amazing happened. The Spirit of God just moved in that room by the, the openness and the, the humility of that woman to pay off the debt so that the church could move forward. And something else amazing happened. A worship service broke out at a charge conference. <laughs> yeah, 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 Patty gets that joke. Uh, yeah, Miss Leslie got up to the piano and played the doxology, and people stood up and said, praise God from whom all blessings flow. And the church moved ahead, repaired that building. The kids were able to go down into the, to the bottom of the church in the fellowship hall and not have to worry about walking through water some days. When, believe it or not, it rains in South Alabama sometimes. And, and, and the church is able to launch out in ministry because someone, humility and heart, was able to say, yes, I'll give to these needs. She was accessible, you see. About a year later, I went to Audrey's house to talk to her and see how she was doing. You know, the building program had been complete. And I said, what do you think about all this? She said, well, you know, uh, I won't be able to take as many trips as I th used to think I could take, but I'm going to still take some. But you know what? I'm going to get a whole lot more joy out of seeing those kids playing there in the fellowship hall after school than taking my third trip to Branson, Missouri, you know? And Audrey's gone on. But what she did is still making a difference in Tallahassee, Alabama right now. The question we have to ask ourselves as we move ahead as a congregation is, are we going to have the heart of Jesus that's humble and kind and accessible to the needs of the world as this church works to meet those needs as we present the gospel of Jesus Christ to this community, uh, to the people out there at Appalachian State, to the world? It's a question that we have to all ask ourselves, isn't it? So uh, will you say this short little prayer with me? Jesus, Jesus, yoke me to your humble and gentle heart so that I might be free. Amen, amen, and amen. I think the band has to play something now, don't you all? <laughs> But as they're coming forward, let's pray. Father, we're grateful that people out there have shown us what it means to be like your son. May we learn of him so that we might be humble, so that we might be gentle, so that we might be accessible to the needs of the people around us and to this broken and hurting world, so that we and the world might know the freedom that we can only receive in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.